0: and welcome to another instalment in our series of interviews to shine a light on the New Zealand men's domestic circuit on the Top Order podcast. Today, we're welcoming Wellington Firebird, Black Cap and another former Rickerton Cricket Club speedster, Hamish Bennett, to the show. Lippy and Hamish, how on earth have you guys got room for all these international and rep jerseys on the wall at Rickerton? You know, everyone we talk to has got a, a little piece of real estate on that wall, by the sounds of But Hamish, welcome to the podcast maybe you can fill us in on Rickerton's success
1: yeah no thanks very much for having me Um yeah he's probably used everyone up now but I guess <laughs> um, I think the, the good thing about I guess the Rickerton club at the time when, when Stu was there and I was there is actually the success for people probably happened in different, uh, different stages so you know like Dean Brownlee came over from Australia and he was um, he was at the start of his journey journey and then he was a sort of a black cap um two or three years later and then when he came over I was a black cap and then I sort of drifted out of the New Zealand side and he was in there and then he went to Northern Districts so and I drifted sort of back into the New Zealand side then uh, Cole McConkie as well, who's now Canterbury Captain, he was sort of in and around those Canterbury fringes and now he's he's away flying with Canterbury so it's all sort of happened at different times, really. It didn't all happen at once, um, which is probably unfortunate for the Rickerton club, otherwise we could have won a few more games. <laughs> well,
0: yeah. well, 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 we'll at some point have a Rickerton highlights show, but we want to talk <laughs> about the, the Firebirds and the domestic game here in New Zealand this evening. We don't want to dwell on it too much, but let's get round one out of the way first. I know all of us have tuned in to the coverage on the New Zealand cricket website. A lot of those wickets looked closer to outfields in terms of their colour um, than potentially that kind of straw-coloured highway. But was it just a bad toss to lose on a green one early season for you guys this week?
1: Um Oh yeah, a little bit. I think Canterbury bowled well as well and also Kookaburra are sort of trialling a new sort of ball that's like a Duke um, as well so I think groundsmen have probably all had a word to each other and probably realised now that uh, maybe you can probably take a little bit more off the wickets whereas I think with the traditional sort of turf ball that they had before they sort of made a few changes to be like the Duke, the wicket probably wouldn't have been just seen as, as done as much whereas the ball was sort of Swing still after 80 overs, so I think the groundsmen are probably going to try. Uh, we're probably a little bit unaware of how much that new ball would actually swing and seem, so probably got to maybe just make a couple of little changes.
2: And in terms of player feedback on that new kookaburra ball, what did you think of it as a as a fast bowler?
1: Well, brilliant, isn't it, obviously. Um, <laughs> like, it swings big, games only go sort of two and a half days. Um, yeah, ideal result, really, is, 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 is it not? I think I don't know, I just think um there's been this big like love affair with the Duke Bull, um and teams coming over here and saying the ball doesn't do enough, we'll get the wickets are too flat. Yeah, I don't I don't really know. Is it just that we've we are so now we as cricket are just fans and people we're so used to something happening with some action. Do we just find traditional Test cricket boring? And is that why we've had to change stuff? Because I don't I think the kookaburra ball was actually that bad, but I guess apparently, apparently it was. I don't well, know. Cer- what do you guys' thought?
2: Well, certainly positive for you, though. Four wickets for you in the first inning. So you, how are you feeling about your own rhythm and, and how it's coming out this early in the season?
1: Um, yeah, look, I'm pretty happy. I had a pretty sort of quiet off-season of training and stuff, so pretty happy with how it's going. Looking forward to, um, to next week at Hagley. I um, assume there'll be a pretty similar colour wicket, so... Um, That'd be rather encouraging. So hopefully the coin can fall down in our favour. But um no, I'm pretty happy you got some miles in the leagues and that. So there's the old horse racing tune, better off for the run. So I'm 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 looking forward looking forward to the rest of the season. Especially if we're only gonna be playing two in a big day.
0: <laughs> yeah, look, we won't go into too much on the on the ball, I don't think, but I think it's good from a fan perspective. And I think we forget that the ball has changed a little bit. You know, coming from England, um, we used to offer a choice to the visiting side when we were playing test cricket of either, I think, a Dukes or a Reader cricket ball when they came and played. It's been different balls used across different formats there. And that's always been a talking point. And when you look at soccer as well, um, when you would had that situation where, you know, they'd use a different ball in the Premier League to the Champions League and people would say, you know, it'll swerve more or do a little bit more. I think it's great to be talking about those kind of things because it just adds that additional level of nuance, particularly in the longer form of the game. Like where you know, it, it, sometimes it ca- you know can feel as if it's a little bit um, dull and nutritional with the cooker that goes a little bit soft. So I think it's great to be trying those kind of things. If it's going to have an impact on the game in some way at some point in the future, why not give it give it a whirl?
1: Yeah, I think yeah,
0: I think you're right. Was just
1: just you're uh, trying to find that balance, you know, because there's no point sort of having probably you know, dare I say, a, a lot of four day cricket that doesn't go very long and having bowlers that can bowl. You know, the ball suits a bowler who bowls sort of that old, well, you know, a very good club bowler probably who bowls 110, 115 Ks who can swing it and nip it both ways. And then you go play test cricket and you face Mitchell Stark and James patson and mm. uh, Pat Cummings and you're required to bat for two days and your highest score that you've ever made in a New Zealand first-class game is 130 because, you know, because... The wickets are doing too much, and you know, you're not used to facing and attacking their bowlers over 140 ks. And also, like you know, you'd, you'd argue with the Duke and all that. Until now, with the when they've had Mark Wood and Joffrey Archer, you'd struggle to probably name too many English bowlers compared to Australian bowlers who bowl 150 ks in the last 20 years. Mm. So that's probably the the other side of the argument over here, I guess, in the southern hemisphere as opposed to the northern hemisphere.
3: And, and I mean, we've we talked about how tough it was for the batters, but still you look through that Wellington scorecard and, and one name kind of stands out, Devin Conway still getting Always over 100. Is, is that guy human? What's, what's going on
1: here? Oh, we need to, Well, like I've told Craig Wellington, we need to sort of ruin his visa so he can never be eligible to play for <laughs> New Zealand. Yeah. Um, he, uh, yeah, look, he, he's someone who's, he's just got, he never changes gears um, when he bats, so. I think that's that's the strength. Whereas you know, a lot of batters get to twenty or thirty, and you know, I'm in now and I feel good. So I'm going to play a few more shots. Dev just waits and waits and waits. I've seen him. I've seen Dev take uh, seventy balls to go from one hundred and ten to one hundred and twenty, just mm. because the ball wasn't in his ear, and he just left it and left it and left it. So he's just got, a, I guess, a great mental. He knows his game so well. Um, so he just he stays in that one gear the whole the whole innings.
3: And and is he kind of aware that every single New Zealand cricket fan now is kind of watching his scorecard every every time he walks out to bat?
1: Um, I guess he would be aware deep down, but he doesn't. He's he's a very humble sort of. Well, he'd, he'd walk into a room and you wouldn't know that he's the best batter and you know best batter in New Zealand domestic cricket, or you wouldn't know that he's been domestic cricket two years in a row or anything. He's he's a very humble sort of. I think he has a very very strong inner belief, but he would never ever show. Um, you'll never show on the outside how confident or how, uh, or he, or he never shows how good he is, you know, how good mm. he thinks he is on the outside. He always, yeah, he's very humble and downplays himself a lot. So, um, yeah, I, I think everyone's interested to see how he goes. I assume he'll play for New Zealand A at the start. So I think everyone's sort of waiting to see what happens, really.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely got that kind of Neil Wagner vibe that he's been coming, coming. you know, he's come over here and everyone's kind of just now waiting on him on him to turn up. But sort of before we take a, a closer look at that full squad, I just wanted to touch briefly on kind of last year. You guys won the, the awesome year. You won the Super Smash. You won the Plunkett Shield after a, a long time. I mean, obviously, congrats. That's, that's massive effort and, you know, added to the, the Ford Trophy win the previous season. And and I guess the dominance of the blaze. Like Wellington, it seems like something really good is going on in Wellington cricket at the moment.
1: Yeah, we've been pretty full. I think. Um unlike probably other some MAs have had some issues with um financially in that and maybe in their in their head office so yes, with our CEOs come in. Cam Mitchell done a great job and sort of restructuring cricket wellington and we've actually got a lot, a lot of coaches now in the blaze of the girls got access to four or five coaches, <coughs> excuse me, coaches as well, and they've got their their own sort of um, high performance program that, that gets run. They've obviously got some quality players as well that helps. And same with us, we've we've sort of got three to we've probably got five full time staff, which is pretty rare for for a first class domestic team, <coughs> excuse me, team in New Zealand. So I guess just having more people around just gives guys more ability to uh, to get better, and having more resource can only be a good thing.
2: And with all that recent success, have you guys set yourself <coughs> expectations of winning all formats again this season? How do you manage that that level of expectation that's all of a sudden, you know, been put on your side both internally and probably by the media as well?
1: Um, oh, I think you. I think every year, I think that um, every team wants to win every format. I think we've sort of spoken about every year. I guess you you just hit the reset button. You don't. You don't try and defend a title. You have to go out and win it again. That's just the way that the domestic. Um, competitions run so you i guess you just have to forget what's happened and go away and see where where we uh where I guess what improvements individuals made and where we lacked a little bit and go away in the off season try and improve that um you know, and then come back and try to be better off for it and unfortunately um in the week I just got we weren't better off for it so hopefully we have a bit more luck and um we can execute our skills in the in the upcoming week
2: and can you run us through the ins and outs of your squad? I think we saw that Malcolm Noffel has gone back to South Africa. Is that correct? And and have there been any other changes to the playing group over the off-season for the, for the Wellington side?
1: Um, that been the test for now. Yeah, so Malcolm noffel has gone back to South Africa and Michael Sneddon's come in. He's He's got his first proper full-time one. He took over Jeet and Patel's contract last year when Jeet's retired after round two or three of the Super Smash. and uh, from that I think it's exactly the same. If I'm being yeah, I think it's exactly the same and Devon Conway just moved up to a black caps contract soon with uh, Blundell and Nisham. So yeah, we've had we've had a pretty similar squad for the last sort of I guess um probably three years. Um so I guess that helps um gel the team and I guess everyone sort of knows their roles. Basically the core of the team knows their roles. So I guess that helps to win and gives you a chance to win games and your core of your team is pretty settled and and knows what they have to do to, to execute.
3: And I mean, we mentioned Devin before, everyone's, you know, he's the name on everyone's lips, but is there sort of a couple of guys in, in your <laughs> squad that maybe, you know, New Zealand fans kind of aren't aware of yet, but should start taking notice of?
1: Uh, I think you look at someone like and Ravinda, he's a, probably, people are aware of him, but he's sort of a young gun growing up, New Zealand under-19s, and played sort of three or four years for New Zealand under-19s. So I think in a few years, he's someone that, um, people know known, same with Jacob Bullerham and Russian put on that sort of, I think, uh Roshan got 120 and Jacob got 180 in some under-19 World Cup game mm. in New Zealand. So someone like him, he, he's probably going to take a few more years to develop as he's sort of been in and out a little bit. But I look at those two guys, someone like Finn Allen as well, he was in that World Cup group as well. He's a good um, young better. Actually, he's joined our roster, so I probably should have mentioned him. Um, that could help. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He came down from Auckland after not much sort of his playing opportunity in Auckland, so he's come down for some more playing opportunity he's fitted into the group uh really well and he's he's a he's a good young man who's hungry, hungry to succeed. So um yeah, Firebirds and Wellington's very lucky to have him. Um and Ben Sears um not sure if you guys have come across him, but sort of a quite a little bit taller than me, he's probably um six three and a half, maybe six four and bowls absolute rockets. So I think he's someone who could probably in a couple of years really shoot up in the um, in the cricket circles. The only problem he's sort of like um, I compare him to Sheldon off the Big Bang Theory. Uh, he's he's sort of too bright for his own good, and he's doing he's doing the Lord. He actually missed the game because missed was unavailable for selection because he wanted to study for his law exams. Jeez. So um, Jeez, you, get angry, pretty,
3: you get angry. when guys do that at club level.
1: Yeah, yeah, but he um, he. <laughs> He um he's he's pretty dedicated to his study and stuff, which is, you know, fair enough. He's yeah, always wanted to do he's always wanted to do that and like he's he's always said, you know, um, my study comes first and, and that and if you don't want to contract me that's fine, I'll still train like I'm contracted. I just won't get paid. So he just he's just he's just got I guess a different um he's he's hungry to pay for New Zealand, he's hungry to, to do all that. But to be honest, he's just hungry to bowl as fast as possible, which is always good. So <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. probably someone Someone you don't want to face in the nets but he he'd be you know if you if you played in the game and uh, and uh, he had all things going his way uh, just because he's young um he'd easily bowl 150k wow
0: well you've answered one of our questions which is uh, who don't you like facing in the nets if someone's steaming in at 150ks but even as club cricket as and, we and know he
1: abuses, and, he, and he abuses people as well. Oh, so, awesome uh, he's He's the shyest guy, and then in the nets he just he just sort of gets um, like the water boy, and he just (laughs)
0: that white line fever.
1: He just goes crazy and tells guys to fall off and everything. So me and him have actually got me. I said to him, (laughs) I said, look, I said, we made an agreement, I said to him, look, I don't. If we if you have to bowl to me, I only want it on only want half follies. And he (laughs) (laughs) and he he said, look, I can do that. The only disclaimer is because I'll be trying to pitch it up, I could beam you. I said, oh. I said maybe, um, maybe you just don't bowl to me, eh? And he goes, Yeah, I can do that. So yeah, so yeah, he's he's a good man. So it's um, I guess it's nice for for me as well when I'm a bit older to sort of mentor. I guess probably a younger, younger, smarter version of myself. And unfortunately, because he's because he's so smart, it probably um, harms his bowling a little bit as well because he can just overthink stuff. So mm. he's still just trying to find his way. So he he he's definitely someone to look out for.
0: Well, look, it's great to know that those kind of characters exist in the professional game as well as what we will all know, the, the club cricketers that have a number of characteristics. Let's go through a little bit of a quick fire. We're going to start with the batters this time, though. So who, who who's the batter that you need to avoid for a few hours after they get out?
1: Oh. <laughs> well, we don't have, far. We actually don't have that too many of those, to be honest. Um... In Wellington, we're we're all right. Because the problem is normally um, you can't avoid them because we're normally fielding if someone gets out in a couple of hours. But um, no, I don't. Um, In Wellington, we're actually all right. We're actually all right. Um, Yeah, I think we're actually all right. We're actually all right. Yeah, that's a bit of a shame, isn't it, to hear? But a few guys smack a few cheers and stuff, but no one's sort of unapproachable, which is a shame.
0: All right, so sticking with the batters, who who's the one that always looks a million dollars in the nets? Who, who's uh, got all the gear and and yeah, looking like a, a rock star in that indoor school or in that tent in the pre-season?
1: Uh, well, the best net batter, if you're going to pick a team, a New Zealand team or people who are better in the nets, you pick Tom Blundell. Tom Blundell is two to three times the player in the nets than in the middle, which is <laughs> hard to, yeah, hard to believe, I know. Yeah, no, he is unbelievable. He is unbelievable in the nets. He is—you don't want to bolt him because he'll just—he can, especially in white ball cricket, because he either like charges you every ball and smokes you, or he ramps you, or he laps you, or he reverse laps you, or he does all these crazy shots. And then you just, yeah, or like I said in white ball cricket, he just lap every ball. He's got the best lap shot ever, Un, undefendable. I just say he's just between twenty his bat five balls and then just lap every delivery. No one, no one will be able to bowl to him. He's got the worst weakness in the game—a half molly. <laughs> like, imagine that what's your weakness a half volley outside off stump. what's your strength pull shot like, every tail ender wants that don't they yeah absolutely and yeah a, a pull shot is his, is his half volley you know it's, it's sickening he's, yeah, he's, he's and like all of our batters have got all the they've got all the gear they buy all these bats and they've got all these bats and they knock you in about four at a time and carry about eight and they can only use one uh, it's hard to keep up with
0: and so we'll, we'll we'll come on to that in a second in terms of that gear nuffy, but which batter writes themselves with the ball?
1: Oh, that's the ball. Uh, Fraser Coulson. <laughs> he he um he's always bowling these little off spinners and stuff. Yeah, they, I think he even bowl he's even his club into bowling a few as well. Um he's really disgusting. And he's just such a pest like he's a pest of a human naturally. <laughs> um and then when he bowls, he's even worse. Like you know, he's and then he actually tries to have serious conversations with you about his bowling. And that's what makes it even worse. <laughs> yeah, you just got to walk away.
2: Is he the guy that keeps your spirits up in the field though on a long day, Fraser Colson?
1: Um, uh he's a bit of a drifter as well, though, So <laughs> <laughs> he,
3: he, we we're getting a the real lowdown down on the Wellington squad here. We're going yeah. <laughs> to have
0: some right of reply on all these guys' Instagrams. <laughs> They're going to be uh, clamouring to come I on know, and, uh, a lot and of, reply.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Right, uh, yeah, Fr- yeah uh, Fraser. He, he can do. It. He's sort of. He's more of a one-on-one sort of, pretty witty, sort of, um, quite dry, sort of uh, sense of humour. He he's a funny man. He sort of just drifts away, and then he'll come out with something funny. And you can sort of see him giggling. Sort of, you can see him sort of ten or twenty steps of walking towards you. You can already see him giggling at what he thinks he's going to say to you. <laughs> you barely get it out. He's giggling so much, but. Um, we've got we've got quite a few sort of guys that keep us going and stuff in the field and that, but um, yeah, no, we, we've got a good group. There's a good, good bit of banter that flies around with our group. It's
2: good. And now that you can't use uh, can't use spit to shine the ball, who's the sweatiest teammate? Who's who's now your designated oh. ball shiner after one round of the Plunket well, Shield?
1: We, we give out all our jerseys to Jamie Gibson. Uh, he's 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 sort of got a body like Will Ferrell. You know the old sort of. Um, <laughs> You know, Frank the Tank, hairy sort of rig. So we sort of just give him all our sort of sweaters and we try and make him the plan was to actually get him to run from final league to final league for a few hours, just to really sort of sweat him up and get it like a Christmas sort of <laughs> hand glaze on him. So he sort of yeah he sweats up as well. So he um he actually asked the team if it's all right to to shine the ball with his chest here and um <laughs> we said we said, yes it is but it's disgusting but it he does it. So yeah, he's, sweet, so he's, he's great for this COVID sort of stuff. And
0: has he got that <laughs> yeah, he's, s- that soft chest hair or is it a bit of abrasion on there as well? There's an Aussie in the room, no. so sort you're of just looking for some alternatives to sandpaper.
1: Yeah, no, it's, no, it's not sort of, it's sort of like that. Um, you know, the Frank Tank sort of, you know, wool chest hair, so it looks like an afro sort of, it's not coarse, you know, it's not good for reverse swing, it's just conventional. <laughs> just conventional,
0: conventional
1: y- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
0: We need to find that wiry yeah. wiry has- chest hair for for the uh, yeah for the reverse.
1: Problem is, problem is only probably three or four guys on our team have chest here. So he was <laughs> he was he was the obvious one. That and his back here. So he's he, he's the hairiest <laughs> man. So it was just sort of a, he's the hairiest and swiftest man. So it was the obvious choice.
3: Brilliant. And and onto the bowlers now. Who, who's the one that you just don't want to drop a catch off?
1: Um, well, it used to be Jason Patel. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. Um, oh, it's probably it, it's probably me now, to be honest. <laughs> I'm probably the I'm probably the the grumpiest out of the the bowlers. But um, I think when a bowler drops a catch off a bowler, it's it's okay. When mm. um, I mean, it's when a batter drops a catch off a bowler, then it's not okay. <laughs> yeah, I think well, I think the bowls and bowlers we are they're, they're sort of pretty good. Everyone sort of tries pretty hard off each other's fielding and all that. We're sort of we've sort of been a Bowling pack now for the last sort of well, I guess the five years I've been here we've been pretty sort of consistent with our with way with um, with our selections of our bowlers so we've got to know each other pretty well and we've, we we sort of dig in and do those extra little yards for each other so we've, we've we're actually probably okay.
0: And we're on a nationwide quest to see if anyone beats Cam Fletcher in the weights room. Uh, who in the Firebirds is you know <laughs> sure. be- bench pressing t- two hundred or you know hammering out those bicep curls
1: you've come to the you've come to the wrong team we live in Wellington so (laughs) that team's bloody hippies and vegans (laughs) all sorts of stuff you know like um so no Andrew Fletcher does the biggest I think he does him I think Blundell does him and Blundell probably do the best bench of 100 maybe close to 130 or something but Mm. um no one can beat Cam Fletcher he's he um yeah, he's, he's got he's got the dinner plates. He's got the big overhang. He's got the big guns. He yeah, he shouldn't be he shouldn't be playing cricket, should he? He should just be posing somewhere.
3: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think he still does that while he's while he's playing cricket a little bit. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, yeah. Who's the who's the provincial team that you want to enjoy beating the most?
1: um Oh, I think well for me personally, I think whenever you win any game is good. But I think everyone probably would say Canterbury, do they?
3: That's exactly what everyone, yeah, said, everyone said. Canterbury, <laughs> everyone except yeah. Canterbury has said Canterbury.
1: Yeah, what did Canterbury say? Auckland.
3: I can't even remember what Cole said actually, but yeah, no, probably
1: didn't. Probably
2: didn't probably I think didn't it was Otago. I think they wanted to beat Otago, a, a bit of southern rivalry. Yeah, oh, no, okay. everyone does yeah, say Canterbury say,
0: though. And why do you want to beat yeah, the can- why do you want to beat the Cantabs?
1: Um. I guess for the first couple of years because I left Canterbury, so it was always probably good to play them and beat them. Um, and then I just—I when I left Canterbury, it was just so funny um, playing other teams and other people come up to me and go, "Oh, thank God you left Canterbury you're now! Oh, you're actually a good bloke." And I was like, "What? <laughs> what are you guys on about?" Yeah. And they're, like, and they're like, "Yeah, we just hate Canterbury." And um, what else I figured out was after a few games in Wellington, we're having all these teams and our Dressing room, or we we're going to other teams' dressing rooms after the game. And I was like, never happened that, you know, never, very rarely has it happened at Canterbury if, mm. if you know, very obviously sometimes it never happened. Mm. And they just looked at me and go, yeah, yeah, we need to invite you sort of um, <laughs> explosive words into our changing room. And Jeez. I was like, oh, okay, geez, everyone does hate Canterbury. I thought there was just a, sort of a bit of bang or whatever, but it was, yeah, it was. Um, that's pretty true, yeah. So since I've played for Wellington, we've we've had every team in our shed or I've been in every other team's shed. It's actually been quite a oh, <laughs> that's actually quite funny.
3: <laughs> quite a pleasant environment.
1: <laughs> the uh, yeah. We'll,
3: we'll come now to the to the best sledge you've you've heard on the domestic circuit. I will say that uh, Cole actually said that uh, your efforts uh, against Fraser Coulson was, was the best one he's had. The the pear incident.
1: Oh, Fraser oh um, I was going to say about this actually, because I was going to say before, there hasn't been too much sledging because everyone knows each other, and whenever someone does sledge, they sort of um, everyone gets a bit sensitive to it. So um, it's mm. more just a bit of abuse. But what happened was it was, um, it was Canterbury versus Wellington. I was still playing for Canterbury, and I was batting, and um, we were going to lose the game, and I hit this beautiful straight drive, um, and Brent now stuck his buddy poor out. I was sort of in the, oh, I think I was in my crease. And he threw it back and then I hit the ball. I sort of hit it back another straight drive. Yeah. And, they sort of appealed, and they sort of appealed. And I was like, oh, fuck is it? Oh, well, the ball's coming straight to me. Like, what am I meant to do? I'm just hitting it, you know? Like, otherwise I'm going to get hit. And then um, Patsy was captain, actually. And he said, no, he's in his crease. Like, don't worry about it. Let's just move on. And Fraser Coulson was on the helmet. And he sort of started looking off at me. And I just said, oh, out, mate. I can wait till you play. I'm going to get right up here and all this sort of stuff. The mm. next game in Wellington, and he said, oh, if you make it onto the plane. <laughs> and I said, and I said well, what does that mean? He goes, oh, you'll be injured by the time you get on the, you'll oh. be injured by next Wednesday or whatever by the time you get on the plane. So we sort of finished the game, and I sort of had, yeah, I wasn't that happy with him. And then, um, so we played the corresponding fixture next week at the Basin, and I was bowling to someone, I can't remember, and for five balls. He was at the non nice strikers' and I was just giving it to him every ball. Like, just saying, this is going to be your last game. You're <laughs> this, you're that. And I think Derek Walker was umpire and he was just laughing. Just I was just actually giving it to him. And the batter, I can't remember who the batter was, had a single off the um, fifth ball of the over. It's gone down to five leg or whatever. And I thought to like send the fuel and stuff and all this. I was like, no, it's all right. Just put another slip in, whatever. I'm going to nick this guy off. And I sort of said it pretty loud. So he heard me. I ran and, and yeah, nicked him off first. Uh, ball oh, beautiful. And be a mess, massive send-off, basically just a laugh off. And he just <laughs> he just walked off. And then I remember the second and he said, Nuttall started getting uh, into Fraser. And he goes, Benny, are you going to get into him? And I said, oh, to be honest, mate, I've, I think I've done my part. I've, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just finish it there. i got nothing more to say though. So, <laughs> him. So, that was probably my best work but yeah it's not as probably clever or as um uh smart as it used to be it's probably more um when guys do sledge it's probably more of a uh a jealousy thing where there's always a something a hidden sort of agenda behind it now yeah.
3: oh that that that's brilliant and an and awesome rundown of the squad we'll uh, yeah like we said we we'll, i'm sure there'll be a few uh, a few people Wanting to have their say back, but just before we let you go, we'll have. I've got a few questions for you from your your own career. First thing I wanted yeah. to do was go back to that twenty eleven World Cup, and yeah. I, can can you give us anything uh, of what was going on in the middle between Faf and Kyle Mills there?
1: Well, I'd actually, um, I'd gone home just picture my picture oh, of watching mate. on telly. I was watching on telly like you, but um, from what I heard, it was just about. Um, Actually, um, when found out we're playing South Africa, we're actually really happy. Um, and um, everyone, because everyone now arrived said they'd choke, mm. so we knew that the South Africa there was so much pressure on South Africa and stuff. And then basically, um, I think Faf ran out AB, and um, yeah. And Mil- and Mills was getting into fluffs, just basically saying you've lost the World Cup for South Africa and blah blah blah, and a few other splitters. The best part was Mills, he was like top man, thirteenth man. He wasn't even <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was superb. Yeah, I- yeah. So it was just it was more of just um, when you had a World Cup. Like I think when you buy a play like a bilateral series, it's probably something you'd let go, you know, and I'd run out. But when you're playing a World Cup knockout game, mm-hmm. um, you- everything's on the table, I guess. So you're just doing whatever you can to win. And uh, we always saw. I think Fluff had just um he'd finished playing for Lancashire and just become he was coal packed for Lancashire and then um basically South Africa and he said, look, if you come back play you'll play for South Africa and then he's just going back to South Africa after leaving. So mm. there was a little bit of tension around him coming back and whatever like that. So um I think we just saw him as potentially a pretty easy target to, to get under.
3: And and I guess you mentioned uh-huh. the injuries there. I mean, obviously like looking through your, you know, Games for New Zealand, it's, it's very sporadic and obviously had some injuries at, at the wrong time. It actually seems like they just sort of roll you out every time Virat Kohli comes here because you just nick him off, eh? <laughs>
1: um, yeah, well, I've never lost an ODI to India, actually, so I should play every ODI. Yeah, exactly. India, but um, yeah, it does seem like I play India a lot. Um, but how, how
3: so those injuries, though, I mean, how tough's it been to kind of go along and, and sort of get that taste for New Zealand and then sort of get those injuries and, and have to work your way back
1: um, oh yeah look it hasn't been ideal um, yeah. <laughs> far, from ide- far from ideal but I guess I mean now I do a lot of um, coaching and and that I'm um, you know, fortunate enough to be the blaze bowling coach and I've worked with the firebirds bowlers and um, crew Lines and second 11 bowlers and under 19s and a few school teams and stuff and I think what that sort of stuff's taught me is it's taught me how to sort of start again or it's taught me how to sort of relate to people or when young bowlers are getting injured or looking to, as though, you know, they're showing signs that they could get injured has actually given me a lot of information and a lot of good knowledge around um, if I want to pursue a professional coaching career, I think I'm probably actually better off from going through all those struggles because I actually know what it's like to start, you know, make something, achieve your dream, have it all taken away from you, Mm. start again, get there, stop, you know, injuries, move province, reinvent yourself and make it again. So I feel as though that I'm, um, I guess, you know, trying to look on the bright side of, of it. I guess I'm going to be better off for post-cricket if I get into a coaching career that I have actually can probably relate and understand to um, people sort of what they're going through. Um, whereas I guess sometimes when you get coached by people who've, Know, played 150 test matches and never been dropped and they tell you to do something, and they can't understand why you can't do it. It's sort of pretty tough.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And I mean, I guess, you know, looking you obviously just made the New Zealand side again this year. Is that still a big driving force for you when you're when you're out there playing domestic cricket?
1: Yeah, massive. I like I think um at the moment playing for Wellington, I just you just want to do the, the Wellington um the logo proud and and try and I guess I'm thirty three now, so I know that I'm coming towards the end of my days. So um I just want to try and win as much as possible and I guess sort of have the attitude of playing every game like like it's your last. I mean fortunate enough in Wellington to to meet a lot of past players and have been involved in a lot of functions and a lot of sort of other little cricket teams, um, like the, not the Willows, but sort of other sort of little teams in Wellington that have are like that. Um, you know the Willows too but Mm. other teams like that who, who've got sort of the Wanderers and this team called Old Table and sort of got past Wellington players playing in it and how much they sort of watch Wellington how much pride they have in Wellington so for me when I play for Wellington I just think of actually there's actually a lot of people watching a lot of people caring about the result and wanting us to do well so I guess that sort of drives me to do that and then whenever I've thought about trying to play for New Zealand or do something for New Zealand or whatever it's tend to turn to shit for me um, I'm better off just trying to find something passionate um, within that game or whatever and then try and let that other stuff take care of itself. If I'm always thinking about, oh, I've got to take 4-4 or I've got to take 5-4, I've got to go for under 20 today or whatever and then to play for New Zealand, then I'll probably, it's, yeah, it's not great.
3: Oh, well, mate, I mean, I guess it goes without saying um, between you and me that I'm definitely hoping to, to see you again uh, in that in that black jersey uh, before before things are out but uh, we'll leave it there for, for tonight but yeah thanks again so much for your time and, and sharing all those insights into that, that Wellington squad
1: No, no dramas lads and um, yeah thanks for having me on and uh, all the best with the uh, podcast for the season
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Top Order podcast before you disappear from our feed if you're a new listener please do go and check out the back catalogue we've spoken recently to New Zealand coach Gary Stead we've got Graham Thorpe We've got Shane Dietz, we've got Barry Richards, Shane Bond, Colin Miller, all in the back catalogue. You can find the details www.thetoporderpodcast.com. with a The Top Order Podcast on Instagram, although we're still really figuring that out. We're at Top Order Pod on Facebook and Twitter, so don't be shy to jump on. Give our tweets a share or a retweet, and we'll see you next week.